This is our Believers Meeting, March 11, 2023. This is part three of Living Long, Living Strong. And we're in Psalm 91, verse 14 to 16 says, Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, in the, our last session, previous sessions, we've seen from the word that 70 to 80 years old, was not a set lifespan for all of mankind. We saw that uh, in Psalm 90, uh, 70 to 80 years was the lifespan God set for that specific generation of Israelites who died in the wilderness. God said, your, your, your lifespan is going to be 70 at the most 80. Uh, so we've We've uh, dispelled that myth from the word uh, that 70 to 80 years is not a set lifespan by God for mankind. We went back to Genesis 5 and we saw that the patriarchs who lived before the flood had an average age of about 900 years. And uh, we saw and each subsequent generation, it dropped a little bit, but it was still around the 900-year range. Um, it got down to, when you get to the ninth generation from Adam, Lamech was 777 years old, I believe. So you can see it dropped a little bit. When we get to Genesis 6, we have the flood of Noah. And in verse 3, Genesis 6, 3, in the Good News translation, it says, Then the Lord said, I will not allow people to live forever. Because originally, in the, in the garden, Adam and Eve, before they sinned, they would have lived forever. But God's saying now, I will not allow people to live forever. They are mortal. From now on, they will live no longer than 120 years. So it appears after the flood that the lifespan changed. With 120 years, give or take a few years here and there, being the maximum expected lifespan. So it appears that after the flood, this is when it changed. We looked at factors associated with length of life or shortness of life. We've looked, number one is knowing that long life is God's will. We have to know it's God's will from the word of God for us to live a, a long life of quality. Knowing you have a right to long life and you don't have to yield to death prematurely. We looked at living godly and walking in the word and the wisdom of God. We looked at your mouth 
your vocabulary. How do you talk? What, what do you say? You, we don't make jokes about our health and so forth. All these things have to do with length of life. We looked at our mindset, our attitude. We looked at being satisfied. Uh, Psalm 91.16 here says, With long life will I satisfy you. So if you're not satisfied at 70, keep going. If you're not satisfied at 80, keep going. Yeah. That's happened to us. Yeah, amen. If you're not satisfied at 90, keep going. Because until we have, you know, until we have accomplished what God wants us to do, and, and until we know that we finished our course, and we've accomplished our assignment that God's given us here, we're not satisfied. We shouldn't be satisfied until we've accomplished everything God's called us to do. So we should stay here. Like, like Paul said, you know, I don't know whether to go be with the Lord or to stay. It's better to, it'd be better for me to go be with the Lord, but because you need me, I'm going to stay. So he made the choice to stay because he was not satisfied yet. Um, so today we're going to look at another factor associated with long life. And that's having a fighting spirit. Amen. A fighting spirit. You have to be a fighter. And we're not talking about fighting people, but fighting the fight of faith. We're talking about a spiritual conflict when it comes to receiving from God. Refusing to take no for an answer when circumstances are contrary. Continuing to believe God in the face of lying symptoms when it's a whole lot easier to slide over into unbelief. Now the definition of a fighting spirit is the willingness to compete or to do things that are difficult. The willingness to compete or do things that are difficult. And we know the Bible is full of people who made mistakes, but they had a fighting spirit, and they refused to give up and quit in the face of great adversity. And we know the great hall of faith in, in Hebrews 11 talks about many of these people. Uh, they had uh, great adversity, they overcame great adversity and difficult circumstances and they refused to quit. They fought the good fight of faith, they refused to quit. They stood by that word that God gave them um, and until they saw the, God's promises fulfilled. They refused to quit and give up, and that's why their name is in the Bible. Proverbs 24.10 says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. The expanded Bible says, If you give up when trouble comes, it shows that you are weak. This is pretty, pretty direct, isn't it? The Living Bible says, you are a poor specimen if you can't stand the pressure of adversity. 
So faith is not wimpy or weak. Faith is not passive. It is aggressive. Faith calls things that are not as though they already were. Romans 4.17 Faith speaks to the mountain. Mark 11.23 These are all characteristics of faith. Faith says, I will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Psalm 118.17 So it pleases God when we fight and stand up in the face of lying symptoms and speak the word anyway. Uh, I heard a, a testimony about a man, a Christian man, who had been in a wheelchair for years. And uh, one day his wife and daughter were going out somewhere, and again he was going to be left there at home. And he got to thinking, you know, uh, I, my family goes out and, and so forth, and I'm stuck here at home in this wheelchair all the time, and I'm, you know, missing out on life and so forth. And, and he, his spirit just rose up on the inside of him. And he stood up, he, he stood up, got up himself up out of that wheelchair, and he fell flat on his face. Oh, gosh. The next day, he did the same thing. He got up, he stood up out of that wheelchair, he fell on his face. He did this every day for 30 days. Really? He stood up, he fell flat on his face out of that wheelchair. The 31st day, that he stood up, he did not fall. Wow. The next day, he stood up, he did not fall. The next day, he stood up and he took a step. And he began to gradually walking. walk. Walk by faith, physically walk. And he kept doing this until he walked right out of that wheelchair. He walked right out of that wheelchair. Proverbs 24, 16 in the God's Word translation says, A righteous person may fall seven times, but he gets up again. A righteous person may fall seven times, but he gets up again. The Passion Translation says, For the lovers of God may suffer adversity and stumble seven times, but they will continue to rise over and over again. So the key to winning is to keep getting up. The key to winning is to keep getting up. Uh, that's what this man did. Even though he got up, fell flat on his face every day for 30 days, he would not give up. He said, I'm coming out of this wheelchair. He, his spirit rose up. He had this fighting spirit to just keep on getting up until he walked right out of that wheelchair. So we all like it when, when we're in a one-round fight uh, and, and uh, 
you know, we knock the devil out on the first punch. We all like those kind of fights, you know. It, we, 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 we just knock the devil out on the first punch. But it's not so easy when we're in the ninth round and, and uh, the fight's still going and we get to the twelfth round and uh, the devil has bloodied our nose ten times uh, and knocked us down. It's a lot more difficult to keep getting up and getting back in the fight. Uh, but our enemy, the devil, he is not passive. He is aggressively hostile. He is not going to give up. He, he, he just thinks if, if he knocks us down a, enough times, then we'll just throw the towel in and we'll quit. When the devil thinks he's knocked you out for the count, you get up again and with a bloody nose and you say, I'm winning. I'm winning. Yeah. His, his, uh, he, he it, it, in his, in the it demoralizes in him. Yes. Yeah, it demoralizes the devil. Yes. When, uh, when, when he thinks he's knocked you out and you get up with blood all over your face and you say, I'm winning, and you just stay with it. But if he can convince you that struggling physically, struggling financially, dying prematurely is somehow the mysterious plan of God he can keep you from fighting him. And this is what he manages to successfully achieve in the lives of many Christians. He's able to convince them uh, that, that there's financial or their physical struggling or, or uh, if, you know, someone who died prematurely, somehow this was the mysterious plan of God. Uh, this is how he can defeat people. And, and, and they're not able, able to overcome him. 1 Peter 5 verse 9 says, We are to resist him. We're to resist the devil. Steadfast in the faith. Resist means to vigorously oppose. Bravely resist. Stand face to face against an adversary. Standing your ground. These are all meanings of resist. The Passion Translation says, take a decisive stand against him. The New Century Version says, refuse to give in to him. The NIRV says, stand up to him. The Expanded Bible says, refuse to give in to him. This is all part of having a fighting spirit. Steadfast um, means that uh, you're not get, giving up or quitting. Steadfast is not letting the devil talk you out of it. He's, you're not letting the devil talk you out of long life. You're not letting the devil talk you out of your covenant promises. Steadfast is not letting the devil tell you that it's not working. We're, we're, we're not to agree with him. When he says it's not working, we're supposed to say we're winning. It's working. It's working. I don't care if you're getting up for the seventh time and you got blood on your nose. We continue to say it's working. The word's working. Um, another translation says, staying resolute in your faith. So you may have to resist, 
and stay resolute for more than 24 hours. And this is another area where the devil is able to overcome many believers. Uh, some will stay uh, resolute for a few days. Some will resist for a few weeks. Some will resist for a few months, maybe more than a year. But the majority of people, you know, they have a limitation. After so many days, weeks, months, years, they, they quit. They give up. They don't keep resisting. So, someone might ask, how long do I have to resist? Until you have what you're believing God for. We, can, we have to resist the devil until we have what we're believing God yeah. for. Yeah. So, you know, if somebody attacked your house, how long do you resist? Till they leave. You resist till they leave. Amen. So we have God in our corner. And we know how the fight's going to end. As long as we keep our eyes on the word, keep believing, keep resisting, not give up, he always causes us to triumph. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now, Proverbs 18.14 says, Proverbs 18.14 the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? The Amplified Classic says, The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? So according to the word here, what sustains a sick person? A strong spirit. So whether your spirit is weak or strong is very important. Yes, we have a strong spirit. We have a strong spirit. The Common English Bible says, The human spirit sustains a sick person. The Passion Translation says, The will to live sustains you when you're sick, but depression crushes courage and leaves you unable to cope. The Easy-to-read version says, A good attitude will support you when you are sick, but if you give up, nothing can help. The Good News translation says, Your will to live can sustain you when you are sick, but if you lose it, your last hope is gone. So, what's going to get you through attacks? trouble and even bodily pain a strong spirit a strong spirit but god you know some people say well i'm just believing god or i'm just trusting god well god has to have something to work with a god needs a strong spirit full of the word to work with 
And if it was just up to God, wouldn't everybody come through tests and trials and troubles and attacks? If it was just up to God, everybody would come through it. Everybody would overcome. Yeah. Everybody would, uh, you know, be healed. Everybody would be living a long, full life. Yeah. If it was just up to God, everybody would triumph. Uh, in the little skirmishes of life, if you get knocked down and you don't get back up, the consequences are not so significant. You know, in little, little things, if we, if we uh, give up, quit, it, it's not life or death. But the thing is, if you give up in the little things, now you've set a precedent and the devil knows when he piles the pressure on, he knows, yeah. he knows you'll give up when the real pressure's yeah. on. If you've already given up, yeah. if he's just given you little tests and trials and you threw in the towel, he's got you because now when he really pours the pressure on, he knows you're not going to resist him. So um, in life-threatening conditions, there's a whole lot more to lose. If you don't fight and if you don't get back up when you're knocked down, so this is why it's important that, that even the little things, we need to resist the devil. We need to let him know we're not going to tolerate the little things. And that he, if he brings a fight to us, he's going to have a fight, even in the little things. And he'll think twice about bringing the, the big things because he doesn't want his nose bloodied either. And that's exactly what we're going to do. God's will is a long and satisfied life. But if you don't fight for it, the devil will rob you of it. Now, we're not criticizing or judging people who have uh, given up and died early because we haven't been where they've been. Pain can get old. It can get weary. People can get tired. When you don't feed your spirit with the Word of God, and you're not talking right, and you stop your confession, when you do that, then you begin to start th saying things that you, could, that you shouldn't be saying. Your spirit will get weaker and weaker, and you'll get physically weaker and weaker. A strong spirit is what sustains you physically. According to the Word of God, a strong spirit is what sustains you physically. And we know from doctors, um, honest doctors will tell you there are people who medically should die but don't. And there are people who should medically live but die. And it's not because of the medical care that they're getting. It's not because of the lack of medical care that they're getting. It's because their spirit it's the spirit man within them many times that determines whether or not they make it or not. Some people leave it too late before they even begin the fight. Yes. Some people leave it too late. Yes. They don't have enough time to develop their faith before the clock runs out and the, and the disease just overtakes them. They leave it too late. But we're not judging people we're not against doctors. We're against sickness. We're not against sick people. 
We're just against sickness. We're not against poor people. We're against insufficiency. Uh, doctors are fighting disease from the outside. They're fighting symptoms. They're working on the symptoms. So they, they deal with sickness from the outside. But you can have the best doctor in the world and the best immune system in the world, but that can be of no avail if you don't have a fighting spirit and a will to live. So we're fighting sickness from the inside. We're fighting sickness from the inside. Doctors are fighting sickness from the outside. We're working on the spirit man. They're working on the physical man. But there are forces greater than natural medicine that work from the inside out. And faith in God's word and having a strong spirit is one of them. It's a force greater than natural medicine and it works from the inside out. Now, I ran across um, some articles this was very interesting. I ran across some articles on Holocaust survivors. People who went through the Holocaust and survived. And as we know, millions went through the Holocaust and did not survive. These are people who saw their families gunned down they saw their family shipped off in cattle cars along with them. They were suddenly separated from their families, never to be seen again. They suffered humiliation, broken bones, torture, forced labor, theft of their property. Uh, several families crammed into one room poor hygiene, neglect, starvation. Uh, those in hiding were in fear, not knowing from one hour to the next, yes. you know, if they were gonna be alive, not knowing from one hour to the next that if their neighbor next door found out, you know, that they were hiding next door, not only would the neighbors betray them and, and give them away, but the people who were hiding them would also be arrested. They would also be taken away. Now, our challenges today, I'm telling you, are not anywhere, anywhere close to the challenges that these people so suffered. Yeah. I mean, people think they have a bad day today. You know, if, if we have a flat tire, we think we have a bad day. If your train gets canceled, people think they've had a bad day. But our challenges today are, are nothing in significance to what these people went through. And in this, uh, someone did an interview with some of these Holocaust survivors. And one of the questions they asked them was, what kept you going and what kept you from giving up? And the answer that was common among all of them in some form or fashion 
was this. They said there was something I wanted to achieve or accomplish in life that I had not finished or even started yet. There was something in life they wanted to achieve or accomplish that they had not finished or they hadn't even started yet. So, um, in other words, they were not satisfied. No. They were not satisfied. No. And that's what kept them going. Uh, one of the things here, um, this, this doctor is a well-known doctor. Um, his name's Victor Frankel, and he's a well-known neurologist, psychiatrist, and Holocaust survivor. And he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in this book, he said, in one life there is a love for one's children to tie to, in another life a talent to be used, and a third perhaps only lingering memories worth preserving. As a longtime prisoner in bestial concentration camps, Victor Frankl found himself stripped to naked existence. His father, mother, brother, and wife died in camps or were sent to gas ovens, so that excepting for his sister, his entire family perished in these camps. How could he, um, every possession lost, every value destroyed, suffering from hunger, cold, and brutality, hourly expecting extermination, how could he find life worth preserving? Even in the degradation and abject misery of a concentration camp, Frankel was able to exercise the most important freedom of all the freedom to determine one's own attitude and spiritual well-being. The freedom to determine one's own attitude and spiritual well-being. No sadistic Nazi SS guard was able to take that away from him or to control the inner life of Frankel's soul. One of the ways he found strength to fight, to stay alive, and not lose hope was to think of his wife. Frankel clearly saw that it was those who had nothing to live for who died quickest. I'm going to say that again. Frankel clearly saw that it was those who had nothing to live for who died quickest in the concentration camp. One lady said, in my barracks in Ravensbrook, I saw a woman who gave birth to a child. The other women hid the mother and baby. I don't know how they managed. This miracle became our happy conspiracy. I remember thinking that someday I too would like to be a mother with children in a normal house in a normal place. To have such an outrageous dream 
in the concentration camp gave me hope, the belief in a possible future. So we can see these people, they had, had something to live for. They had something to live for. Um, here's an article uh, I found. Um, how overcoming adversity does help you, this was a study I think, yeah, how overcoming adversity does help you live longer. Men who survived the Holocaust outlived Jewish men of the same age who did not go through the Holocaust. This was a study from Haifa University in Israel. It disproves a common belief that psychological trauma shortens life expectancy by damaging the victim's DNA. Israeli scientists found post-traumatic growth enabled Holocaust survivors to develop enhanced personal and interpersonal skills. Men who survived the Holocaust live longer than other Jewish men of the same age who did not go through the hell of the Nazi death camps. New research has revealed. Male survivors lived up to 18 months longer than Jewish peers who were not confined to concentration camps during the war. Holocaust survivors also gained new insights and a deeper meaning to life as a result of their intense psychological ordeal inside the concentration camps, the scientists said. The study of 55,220 Polish Jews found men and women who escaped before Hitler started his campaign of terror had an average life expectancy of six and a half months shorter than those who made it to Israel between the armistice and 1950. So the ones, the ones who, who escaped Hitler before the concentration camps lived six and a half months longer than the ones who survived. The study leader said, Holocaust survivors not only suffered grave psychological trauma, but also famine, malnutrition, a lack of hygiene and medical facilities, leading us to believe that these damaged their later health and reduced life expectancy. Surprisingly, our findings teach us of the strength and resilience of the human spirit. Yes. Our findings teach us of the strength and resilience of the human spirit. The team found that the older men in the group caught up in the Holocaust had the longest life expectancy. Um, those that were 16 to 20 years old they lived 18 months longer than their age group who did not go through the Holocaust experience. 
Uh, here is a, uh, an article from a rabbi called Learning from the Holocaust. Um, and it had to do with uh, this particular year, the Holocaust Remembrance Week preceded Nurses Week. And uh, in reflecting upon the fighting spirit of Holocaust survivors and how this contributed to the advancement of humankind, he says, the actions and contributions of women who were nurses imprisoned in the concentration camps and how they were able to nurse and care for fellow prisoners in the camps has largely gone unnoticed. He says, when I think about the Holocaust, and the fighting spirit and courage of those who survived. One word comes to mind, resiliency. The acts of courage and selflessness of prisoners toward one another that were demonstrated within the confines of the concentration camps are well documented. To be fearless and unwavering when faced with adversity are spiritual concepts that cannot be taught. He says to be fearless and unwavering when faced with adversity are spiritual concepts that cannot be taught. Likewise, the spiritual concepts that nurses embrace, such as compassion and empathy, provide a human, humanitarian focus to the art of healing and caring. There are many stories of concentration camp survivors but the trained nurses among the prisoners in concentration camps are a forgotten example how determined the fighting spirit can be. Here's a few of their stories. This is a 17-year-old Polish nursing student. When she was captured, was forced into labor in a concentration camp. She was eventually moved to the home of a German officer where she did household labor. Over time, she used her position as a maid in the house to save 12 Jews by hiding them in the German officer's home right under his nose. Another uh, Polish lady worked as a midwife in the camp hospital of Auschwitz. This heroic Polish nurse is said to have helped deliver more than 3,000 babies in Auschwitz, each time risking her own life. Another lady, uh, Ruth Knopp, is a nurse who cared for ailing prisoners in the Teresienstadt camp in what is now the Czech Republic. Daily she risked her life to help fellow prisoners who were suffering, dying, and in pain. Daily, each of these women faced death at the whim of Nazi soldiers. Helping other prisoners was justification enough to be put to death. Yet compassion and empathy for prisoners who were suffering from physical, psychological, and emotional pain created a higher calling for them. They engaged their inner selves to aid and comfort those in the camp that needed nursing. These women are an inspiration to me, he says, because within the struggle for existence in the concentration camps, 
They managed to create and live a life with a purpose. That's amazing. As fellow nurses, they are heroines to me because they embody the true spirit of nursing. They honor the spiritual beliefs of caring, honoring, and cherishing life by treating fellow prisoners who were ailing and suffering from disease, starvation, pregnancy, fractures, and more. Even under the direst circumstances of living in the concentration camps, they were able to manifest spiritual energy into their consciousness as a means to carve out a life of meaning within the horror of camp life. Having the courage to face adversity, these women, by simple acts of caring and compassion for other prisoners, put a humanitarian face on the mad world of the concentration camps. Yeah. Here's one more article. This is um, a doctor who's written this article and it's called Fighting Spirit and Patients with Cancer. And this is from the Lancet Medical Journal. Uh, I'm not gonna read all of it. Uh, it says a five-year prospective study of women with breast cancer and men and women with lymphoma shows that fighting spirit was significantly associated with a favorable disease outcome. Uh, since helplessness, hopelessness was significantly associated with poor disease outcome, one would expect fighting spirit, the polar opposite, to be associated with a favorable outcome. It goes on to say, uh, what is meant by fighting spirit? Now this is in a medical journal. What is meant by fighting spirit? Essentially it means people regarding cancer as a challenge and adopting a positive attitude. In a randomized trial of a cognitive behavioral therapy program developed specifically for patients with cancer, we found that patients who feel helpless, hopeless, and who are otherwise emotionally distressed could be induced by gentle encouragement to adopt a fighting spirit. Moreover, this trial showed that fighting spirit was associated with substantial improvement in the patient's quality of life. For this reason alone, clinicians should continue to encourage their patients to develop and maintain a fighting spirit. So, you know, doctors, if they, if they know if they know someone has some fight to them, you know, they got a fighting spirit. When they sense that person is going to put up a fight and they have a fighting spirit, they will go to great lengths to support them, to give them, they'll prescribe uh, extra treatment for them, extra support. They'll, they'll do things for them. They'll prescribe things for them that they will not do for people when they see that they've already given up. Yes. When they see somebody's already given up, they're not going to go the extra mile. They're not mm -hmm. going to prescribe extra. They're not going to 
get them this treatment and, and uh, further medication at all. Uh, when they see a person's giving up, they know that there's really no point in, in anything else that they can do. Um, so if they, if they sense these people have given up, the doctor will give up as well in, in terms of what they're willing to do for the patient. So God's will is a long and satisfied life. You know, but uh, we have to fight. We have to fight for it. Amen? Oh, yes, sir. Hallelujah. We have to fight for it. And, uh, uh, you know, we're not, like I said, we're not criticizing people or anything, but um, uh, but it's, it's God's will for us, amen, and we, we, it's so important that we have a fighting spirit because it's easier to die than to live, and it's easier to walk by sight than to walk by faith. So as we said, doctors are fighting disease from the outside, working on the symptoms. But we're fighting from the inside. We're working on the inside, on the spirit man. And you have to get a revelation that there is a reason that you are here. You, you are here for this time for a purpose. God needs you here and now. This life is brief, and we are here to do a job. Amen? So we, Amen. we need to get a revelation of that. And this is very important yeah. to uh, our length and quality of life. Amen? Yeah.